How are you using power to influence your organization? Today, a look at the eight types of power leaders use, how these show up in the workplace, and why power is essential to get things done. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 154. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. This is a weekly coaching show to help all of us be better leaders through improved communication, human relations, and personal leadership in our organizations. And involved in all of those things is our use, either for good or bad, of power power in order to be able to influence our organizations and the world for the good. And so today, an examination of eight types of powers that leaders utilize in their organizations in order to get results. And we'll look at each of these eight in turn and look at how we can use them in our organizations too. And this is based upon research over the last 50, 60 years of power in organizations. And so I'll cite some of the researchers, So, uh, but I, I am going to keep this very practical for us because what's important is that we're able to take this information and be able to utilize it in the workplace. First, a, a brief quote from a book that I found on my shelf this week that I have read a portion of, not the entire book, but it's been many years since I grabbed it. I dusted it off, and the name of the book is Power Versus Force by David Hawkins. And as I was preparing the notes for this episode, I noticed that there was a commentary about power. And so here is what Hawkins says about power. Power arises from meaning. It has to do with motive. It has to do with principle. Power is always associated with that which supports the significance of life itself. It appeals to that part of human nature that we call noble, in contrast to force, which appeals to that which we call crass. Power appeals to what uplifts, dignifies, and ennobles. That's from page 132 of his book. I start with that because when I use the term power in dialogue with leaders about their work, I find that sometimes there is some resistance to this term, that power is something we don't like to think of that we use. But in reality, power, if used correctly, and we'll talk about how it may not be used correctly later, But power, if used for good, is really an important key tool for leaders to be able to utilize well. And as you listen today, I think most of us will find we use power all the time. The question is, is how effectively do we use it? And so to begin with uh, researchers back in 1959, French and Raven are the two that always come up in conversation about power, and they identified several ways that we utilize power in organizations to get the things that we want done. And so the first of these types of power is reward power. Uh, Many of us, and especially those of us who are in leadership roles, 
have reward power. And what reward power is, it is the ability to give something of value. And the value may be a lot of different things. It could certainly be to give a raise. It could be to give more vacation days. It could be to give that coveted work assignment or schedule. It could be to allow someone to make choices that they don't have the ability to make choices right now in the workplace. But our ability to reward is a key piece of the power that we wield in our organizations in order to affect change. Now, one thing that I always challenge leaders to consider with this is to look at reward power, not just from the standpoint of the power that uh, each individual wields, but the connection and the, uh, and the alliances that you can form in the workplace in order to utilize reward power for good. Now, I mention that because while all of us have power, all of our power is limited in all of our organizations, and there are certain places that we have more power than others. And so one thing that I always challenge leaders to do is when they're trying to affect change in their organization is not just to consider the power that each, indi- each individual or that leader brings to the table, but to consider how that leader can partner with other leaders and individuals in the organization in order to create alliances that will help the entire organization to move forward. And I'll say more about that in just a few minutes. But that's one of the key things with uh, power is to not just think about it about ourselves, but how can we really create a coalition of people that will help the entire organization to affect change. But reward power is that ability to give something of value. A second type of power that French and Raven identified in their work is expert power. And that is the knowledge, competence, and experience that an individual brings to the organization or even potentially the industry that is really unique to them. And a term that is often used in organizations to describe expert power is the acronym SME or subject matter expert. Someone who is most knowledgeable about how to do something or knowledgeable about a process or a piece of software or procedure for a manufacturing process. And as many of you know, I work with a number of organizations that have high levels of technical expertise and subject matter experts are all over the organization and wield a lot of power in how the organization does work. And this is sadly a power dynamic that a lot of leaders, administrators, and organizations tend not to always appreciate as much as they could. And this has been very evident in some of the work that organizations have done around the the process of knowledge management. A lot of organizations have realized the importance of capturing the knowledge that more experienced employees have, and particularly as those employees move on out of the organization and enter retirement and and age out and move on to other things in their lives, they've realized that the knowledge, that the expertise that those people have is suddenly gone. 
And the two weeks of transition period that is had in most organizations when someone decides to leave or a very short period of time, if not two weeks, is simply not enough in order to, uh, in order to transition that knowledge and that experience. And many organizations have learned this lesson the hard way by spending thousands and thousands of dollars setting up systems in order to allow information to be gathered and to database it and to process it and to ensure that that expertise is captured in some way. And then to watch those systems be almost hardly used. Because here's the thing, if you are a subject matter expert and that's how you have power in your organization, the minute you teach everyone else how to do what it is you know, then you don't have power anymore. So expert power is important to recognize. It's important to strategize on how expertise is shared in the organization, but it's also important to engage the people who have expert power, who are not always, and in fact often are not, the formal leaders in the organization, but have a great ability, if collaborated with, to affect change and advance change in the organization. So expert power is a key one for us not to miss as leaders and to recognize the people who have it and where they have it. A third type of power is referent power. This is the personality and charisma to influence others. And I bet that you know at least one person in your organization who just has that personality, that charisma, that uh, even if they may not have the expert power, and even if they uh, may not have the formal authority in the organization, when they get on board with something and start talking about it, all of a sudden everyone else gets excited about it too. And so it's really important for us as leaders to understand and appreciate who has referent power, who is the kind of person or people in the organization that people just tend to follow because of their personality and their charisma. And one of the best examples I saw of this recently was I was working with a leader in a class I was teaching uh, last year, and she was in the process of rolling out a organizational change and planning for how that change would take part in the culture. And she was telling me that they had a part-time college student that was working in their organization who had very little expertise no reward power, no position authority in the organization, and in fact, didn't even work there full-time, but had this incredible personality and charisma. And she said he would show up for work and talk to everyone. Everyone would love having conversations with him. He was so influential in the organization of changing people's attitudes, brightening their days. And when he got behind an idea that the organization was doing, or an initiative the organization was trying to move forward, people all of a sudden paid attention and started doing it too. And so part of her strategy for advancing a positive change in her organization was to talk with him first, one of the key people, and to explain to him the benefits of what they were trying to do and to get him excited about it because she knew that as much as it was important to get buy-in from the chief people in her organization who had the position power, he was the one that was going to change the culture within their group. 
A final example from French and Raven is number four, legitimate power. And this is the one that we always classically think of when we think of power in organizations. It's the person who has the right to command or to have authority based on position in the organization. And so we often think of legitimate power with someone who has a title like manager or vice president or CEO. Uh, But legitimate power can show up in other ways too. It is something by the virtue of the position that we have that gives us the responsibility to make decisions. And this is an important thing to recognize as well as leaders who want to affect change in our organizations and to be able to influence. Because if we try to affect change in our organization and get people excited about something, which I have seen happen many times, and I'm sure you have too, about a good idea to move forward and to advance, and the person who has legitimate power is not involved in that dialogue, in that conversation, or to advance that idea, often the influence does not go very far at all because either they don't have the buy-in from the person with legitimate power or the person with legitimate power feels slighted that they were not included in the dialogue initially. And so it's important for us to recognize who has legitimate power in the organization, what are their roles and responsibilities, and how do we engage legitimate power effectively. Now, there's other researchers that have looked at power other than just French and Raven. Raven went on to work with Gruglansky in the 70s to identify a couple of additional pieces of power, and this is becoming more and more important in today's digital age. A fifth type of power is connection power, the access to powerful people and organizations. The people who you know who are well-connected, who have strong networks, who engage with people in the industry, who have a large following on social media, are in today's world, in many cases, just as powerful, and in some cases, even more powerful than the person in the organization or the industry who has legitimate power or reward power. Because the ability that each of us bring um, and that each individual who has connections brings in order to influence change is very powerful, especially in today's digital world where we are all so connected. So connection power is key. If you have connection power, it's important to consider how connection power may play into the influence you try to utilize in your organization and in your industry. And if you don't have connection power or find that it may be limited, it's important to engage the people in your organization who do as you're trying to affect change and trying to influence because those are the people that will help out tremendously. Uh, Another one that they identified was uh, our sixth type of power here, information power. Access to information that other parties don't have. Uh, This is becoming less and less a focus of power because we all have more and more access to information these days in our digital world. But information power still is a type of power that is often utilized in the organization in order to affect change. People who are, uh, in in many cases, well-connected, but that have access to information that other parties don't, particularly in negotiations, 
become very, very powerful. And so information can be a very effective way to influence an organization or a negotiation or other parties in order to be able to advance the agenda of your organization and the mission that your organization is trying to reach. Now, uh, the final two are for more recent research. Uh, I think I'm going to pronounce this right. Libatory in 1989 looked at group decision-making power. This is number seven. This is the decisions an entire organization gets behind. When a large organization makes a decision to do something or to support something, that is real power. And we see this a lot in the political world or lobbyists or industry groups who have decided as a organization to make a decision to support a particular initiative or to support legal action or to support and advance a specific agenda. And so one way as leaders that we can influence the world is to align with groups and organizations that already support the work that we do or to influence groups and organizations to get behind the ideas that we influence. And if you don't believe it, try going into an organization that has an active union and to do something that's in direct conflict with the policies and procedures of a union. And you'll find very quickly and see very quickly the power of group decision-making. So it's important for us to recognize that and to be able to tap into that when we're trying to affect change and also to recognize where change may not be possible and influence may not be possible. Because if our agenda goes against the chief group or influencer, influencing body in our organization or industry, the road may be very difficult indeed. And then finally, uh, the most recent type identified by Yuke and Falby in 1991 is persuasive power. Persuasive power is the ability for individuals to use logic to appeal to people's emotions and decision-making. And so uh, we've all seen this happen in organizations too, where someone uses their persuasive abilities in order to help an organization or an entity to advance their decision. And when this is done effectively, uh, you have inevitably seen times where a very persuasive individual can help advance the agenda of an organization that may otherwise not get their ideas on the radar screen. Now, as we all know, persuasive power isn't enough. Just because we're persuasive doesn't mean we have the best answer or the right idea. But assuming that we do, utilizing persuasive power to get our ideas out there is important. And if we're not good at doing that, or we know people who are better, who can help us, those are wonderful people to be part of our coalition of ideas to be able to help affect change. Now, those of you who may be students of organizational behavior and power and all these things like I am may have noticed that I left out one of the types of power that French and Raven identified in the early research back in the middle of the last century. And that force, that power, or they call power, I call force, is coercive power. Coercive power is force against will to threaten punishment and to deliver penalties. 
in order to get our way. Again, here's a quote from David Hawking's book on power versus force, this one from page 133. Force always creates counterforce. Its effect is to polarize rather than unify. Polarization always implies conflict. Its cost, therefore, is always high. Because force incites polarization, it inevitably produces a win-lose dichotomy. And because somebody always loses, enemies are created. I believe that leaders have two directives when considering force. The first of those directives is to use it only as a last resort. The second is to be certain, at least beyond a reasonable doubt, that that force is justified. I hope you'll join the conversation about today's episode as well. I'm curious, how do you utilize power and where have you seen force at play in your organization? Join the conversation at coachingforleaders.com slash 154. And as always, I love hearing comments, questions, or feedback on this show or feedback for any future show at coachingforleaders.com slash feedback. And the next uh, Q&A show is going to be coming up here on episode number 156 in just a couple of weeks. You may remember if you've been listening that the topic for the next Q&A show in early September here is getting organized. So if you have questions on how to get organized more effectively, uh, either in your time management, your documents, your scheduling, uh, how you're processing information, whatever is top of mind for you right now, I would really encourage you to leave a question that you'd like us to tackle on that show. And again, the best way to do that is to go to coachingforleaders.com slash feedback. Before I let you go this week, a final word. When I was a kid, uh, the church we went to had a, a priest named Father Rick, and everyone loved Father Rick. He was very charismatic. He was someone that had a tremendous amount of referent power and utilized it to influence in wonderful ways in our church community. And he was very fond at the end of a, ch- of a mass on Sunday mornings. Of the last thing he said before he gave the blessing, blessing, he would say, Remember, peace on earth begins in the parking lot. I've been watching uh, this week, as many people have, the events happening in Ferguson, Missouri. And for those of you who are in, not in the States and may not have seen on the news, there was a uh, man who was shot and killed by police who was unarmed in uh, the town of Ferguson uh, two weeks ago. And the response from the community has been in protest, and that response has been met by force. It has been debated in the news and social media a lot, and will be in the coming weeks, here in the States especially. Like everyone else, I have my own opinions based on the limited perspective I have at a distance. But what I'm certain about is it's a complicated situation where we've seen a lot of examples of both power and force. 
Now, you may remember if you listen to this show regularly that back in episode number 151, Tim Stringer and I had talked about journaling and taking the time each day or at least on a regular basis to write what's going on, what we're thinking about, and to be able to utilize that to start to make decisions about how we're being productive. And as I was writing over the last couple of weeks, I found that one of the things I was writing about is how I was parenting. And I noticed that I'm starting to use more force as a parent, that there are times with our two-and-a-half-year-old son, Luke, that I will pick him up and forcefully move him somewhere else when he's not going the way that I want him to go. I've caught myself a few times yanking the toothbrush out of his hand when he's not doing it quite the way that he needs to and fighting me at bedtime. And there's no doubt in my mind that as the parent of a toddler, there are times that force is absolutely justified. But what I examined it in my writing over the last few weeks, most of the times, it's really not. I use force because it's easier for me, because it saves me time, because I don't then need to have the patience to sit down and have a good dialogue with my son. But here's the thing. Luke gets bigger every day. (laughs) And I want him to grow up and be someone who learns how to use power effectively to do good in the world, not force. No doubt there are times when a CEO uses force because it's easier for them, because it saves time and money, and because they don't have the patience to engage in effective dialogue with their employees. No doubt there are times that a manager of volunteers uses force because it's faster and doesn't require them to listen very much. And no doubt there are times that you've used force too. So before we spend all of our energy pointing the finger elsewhere, I wonder how much real difference there is between the photos we see in the news and the occasional force that many of us use to get our own way. Where are you likely to use force that really isn't justified to get what you want? Because my friends, peace on earth doesn't just begin in my parking lot. It begins in yours too. A big thank you this week to the folks who subscribe to the weekly update. Thank you for taking the time to hop online and to receive the podcast notes for this episode and every episode in the future. And if that's something that's of interest to you, all of the types of power that I talked about today, the references to the books, I would encourage you to hop online and join the weekly update as well because you'll get those in your inbox every single Wednesday. In addition, I always have an article that comes each week so that you can continue to consider how to utilize your leadership effectively and to have another tool and resource that will guide you. And if you subscribe to the weekly update, 
You'll also get the 10 leadership books that will help you to get better results from others, including two books that I rely on weekly. So if you're interested in doing that, go to coachingforleaders.com slash subscribe. And a special thank you this week to Harit Saxena, Hong Balduk, David McCloy, Tina Cherry, Jacqueline Whitaker, Laszlo Suslek, Julie Gallardo. This one I'm going to have a hard time with. <laughs> this one is Sethamaligam Balasbramian. It is refreshing to know there are folks in the world who have more complicated last names than I do. Uh, Seth, I hope that I got close. Glenn Moyer and Eve Moraz. Thank you to all of you for joining the weekly update. I'm so thrilled to have you as part of the Coaching for Leaders community. And again, if you'd like to be a part of that as well, just go to coachingforleaders.com slash subscribe. And I look forward to joining you again next week. Have a great week, everybody.